Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles Mailbag Monday edition with your host, Max, and my co-host, Dave. We got a great episode for y'all tonight. We're going to dive into questions. We're going to talk about what y'all want to talk about here on your favorite Florida State sports talk show. Is there any reason for pessimism or are we just scared to get hurt again? Should we be worried about what signals we're sending to elite coaches with the ousting of Mark Gregorian and the way the Jimbo Fisher situation was handled? Talk about the offense and the QB play. All the favorites, all Mailbag Monday. Let's do it. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, as we're diving into questions, most of these come from our YouTube channel. If you're listening on YouTube, we are almost to our thousand subscriber goal. Make sure you hit the button down low or up top. Subscribe's down low, bell up top. Make sure that you like the video and leave questions if you want to be in a follow-up mailbag Monday. The first question today comes from Lotto. Lotto says, from what I've read, our team is vastly improved from the last year in terms of talent. And yet there seems to be this pessimism that we might repeat the record from last year. Do you guys think there is any merit to the pessimism or is it unwarranted? Dave, I'll let you swing first at that. Yeah, that's a loaded question, right? Um, Is there any merit to the pessimism? Yeah, I mean... First, you got to define like what optimistic even means, because this is something I take issue with. To me, if we make a bowl game, that will have met my optimism for the season for a lot of people. So let's take his let's take his question. His question is he defines his pes- like pessimism as repeating last year's record. So let's call it five wins. Yeah. I mean, is it possible to win five games again? Sure. Uh, there's an awful lot of question marks about this team. We lose two defensive linemen, two premier defensive linemen, one of whom is going to be a top probably 10, 15 pick in the draft. Um, The offensive line still is a work in progress. Uh, The receiver play leaves a lot to be desired. A lot of question talent, but question marks at the running back position are in one of our starting cornerbacks left. There's a lot of question marks. Like there's a lot that, gives me hope that we're going to be better this season than last season. Like we return an awful lot on defense. Um, and you know, Jordan Travis played better last year than he did the year before. Um, but yeah, is there a reason for pessimism? Of, of course there is five and seven is entirely possible again. I'm not saying it's the likeliest record. I think six and six is, but five and seven wouldn't be like this season was a total, you know, colossal apocalypse. Yeah. So here, yeah, no, I'm, I get what you're saying. I mean, a, I do think five and seven would be a, would be a collab. I mean, that'd be really bad. Like we talked about it this last be. week where we think the expectation is a artificially too low. I think that the expectation to me, if Mike Norvell doesn't win seven games and isn't on the verge of winning nine, like two of those losses need to be very, very close losses, not totally. to do Kane on a last second pass type losses. Like you need to almost have beaten LSU or almost have beaten one of your rivals and yeah. just lost at the last minute. And it's like, eh, okay, but set we'll take seven because it was close in your building. That's my expectation. And and the reason for pessimism is being founded, I, I don't think they really are. If you look at statistics, if you look at it objectively, there's really no reason to think this team won't win seven or eight games, except we've said that about Florida State teams before. 
not always seven or eight. Sometimes we've said there's no reason this team doesn't win 12 and, you know, they go out and win eight. And it's like, we've been hurt so many times before that that's the reasoning. Now, Lotto, I do think it is a valid conversation to have though. Like I went back and compiled some stats looking at the advanced metrics and, um, there's something called post game win expectancy. Some of y'all may be familiar. Some of y'all may not be. What that does is it simulates the game based on the stats that occurred and tells you what percentage was the likelihood that your team won that game based on the stats that are on paper. Florida State last year was greater than a 50% expected win percentage in seven other games. They only won five, but they had, I think, an 86% expected win expectancy over Jacksonville State. We all saw that went. Then they had a 55% against Notre Dame. Now, Obviously, that's not as high as 85, but point is they were in that game and they could have won. Although, interesting, Dave, they were a, they were a 10% expected win against Clemson. I thought that game was closer than that, that's but the wild. stats basically say that we never had a chance in that game. And um, it's interesting, right? Because like we had a better expected win against Wake Forest than Clemson. But I think those stats also filter out some garbage time, and Clemson never really got into garbage time. So all those stats count, if that makes sense. But... Anyway, I'm getting off topic. The point is, in games that Jordan Travis was your primary QB, so I went through and I said, okay, show me games where Jordan Travis threw more than 50% of the completions, of the uh, pass attempts in that game, you were expected to go 6-2 and in those games based on the stats that happened on the field. With McKenzie Milton and your average win expectancy is like 28%. McKenzie Milton actively loses you games by going on the field. Tate Rodemaker doesn't have enough attempts to even qualify in these stats. But my point is you have one quarterback that effectively should have taken you to six and two last year. And you have one quarterback that took you to one and three. And by the way, if I'm factoring out the UMass game for Jordan Travis, it's still five and two. And if I'm factoring in the Jacksonville state as a win for McKenzie Milton, that was his one expected win. So it's still like he was actually 0 and four on the field. I'm getting a little wonky here but dave you get my you get the point i'm making yeah let me, let me can play all the games you're in a much better spot let me correct something i said it is close to an apocalypse to repeat last season however it's not what i meant was it's not all of that unlikely like there are still a lot of different question marks this year and a lot of the same question marks this year than there were last year we don't have a jermaine johnson on this team maybe one day jared verse will be that but he and one player shouldn't make all the difference. Yeah, I was gonna the say quarterback this. Position. But I mean, there are still reasons to have pessimism about the team. Also, reasons to have optimism. Like it's gonna be a crapshoot. The record could be eight and four. It could be five and seven. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. But I, I'm I'm gonna kind of take his side on this one. That I think there is nothing analytically, even the eye test that tells me that this team there's a reason to think this team would only win five or six games. Just looking at stats, they returned 13 of their 15 best defenders last year. Yes, number one and number 15 are both gone and Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas. And by the way, I'm not counting Joe Buck at number eight on pro football focus because he didn't play that many snaps, or Joe Lang, not Joe Buck. Not counting Joe Lang as number one or number eight. Take him out. So that makes Akeem Den actually 15th, I guess, and um, Kier Thomas number 14. But still, you're bringing back a very experienced defense. And by the way, you just brought in some talent that's hopefully going to make up for that a bit. You're also seeing guys take strides on defense. You got a guy in a linebacker that had over 100 tackles in the FBS last year, the power six, right? Not not power five, but nonetheless, a guy that's played a lot of football and should be able to help you. He 
got rid of what was a very productive player. Sorry, I'm, I take that back. I'm sorry. Jarvis Brownlee's gone as well. So you're losing three of your top 15. But Jarvis Brownlee was a locker room issue. We heard that all throughout the season to the point where like he was almost thrown off the team, allegedly, not allegedly, reportedly, uh, a year ago. And he got his act together and stuck around. But we all saw the temper tantrums on social media. So like, I don't know if his production was enough to warrant what he had become as a negative for the team. And I think, again, Dave, I don't know, man. There's just there, there's a lot that tells me this should be a better football team. Let's call it like it is. There's the last four years are the reasons for pessimism. Like, that's what I mean, right? Other than we're not ready to get hurt again, right? Yeah, and that's and that's the point, right? Is the reason for pessimism is I've seen it happen before, yeah. (laughs) But to the heart of the question, just to statistically analytically all that good stuff all the big fancy words i have in my in my lexicon there there no there's no reason to be pessimistic except for the fact that we've been lied to before we've been let down before we've been hurt before and it's like i don't want to see it happen again but i do want to keep answering questions dave you mind if we move on for a second before we do that though i got to tell the people about built bar guys you know the deal built bar is your nutritious your delicious the best thing that you can put in your belly at the end of a long day or at the beginning of a day that's going to be really long. It just depends on, uh, you know, what the situation is. You get a good workout, Built Bar. You got a big workout coming up, Built Bar. If there's any time of the day where 15 grams of protein, or sorry, 17 grams of protein against five grams of carbs sounds like a good option, then Built Bar is what you need. I wish they would raise the prices because then they wouldn't keep selling out and I'd be able to get them faster. But they're still giving out discounts, 15% off when you go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And if you want to keep the healthy trend going, guys, your next stop should be Athletic Greens. Now, I know it's easy to convince you to eat a protein bar because a lot of y'all probably do. I know green juice is like a little different, but hey, don't knock until you try it. It's one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens. Get You get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced superfoods. Plus, you get some probiotics. Help that gut feel a little bit better, and you'll start your day off right. Now, folks, this is a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and helps combat aging, which who doesn't love that? Guys, it's everything that you need all right there in one scoop. So it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Max, before before we move on, can, can I do a bonus trivia question? And mm-hmm. this is both for you. This is a bonus trivia question for you and for everyone listening. I want to keep this in. Can you tell me the last time Florida State football was ranked? September. Oh, no, I probably can't. Let me think about it. So it would have been during 2017. A little later. It was 2018? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Because they start. It was after we got whopped by Virginia Tech, wasn't it? Because they started right. us yep. out at what, fifteenth or something? Nineteenth. Nineteenth. Okay. And what was Virginia Tech unranked at the time, or maybe twenty fifth? And that's the last time Florida State was ranked. Man, 
That's tough. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's a funny story, guys. I have a I have a running clock from that game up until now because it was like a week after my daughter's, not even like four days after my daughter's first birthday. She's about to start kindergarten, so that really puts it in perspective. That's tough, but yeah, yeah. Let's 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 keep rolling with the questions, and maybe it will. Uh, maybe it'll help a little bit. I liked this one. I respond to this in in a. I, I responded to this on um, a comment, but and folks, make sure you comment. I'm happy to respond when whenever I get a chance. Um, but first, I'm going to go with Lance. We have two coaching questions. One, do you think that how things ended with Jimbo and Krikorian and that prospective elite coaches will have a negative perception of FSU coaching jobs, given that these guys won national championships and still weren't given the support? i.e. facilities and assistant coaches, et cetera. Dave, I'll go to you on that one. I mean, I'll always yeah, go to you because um, there's only two of us, but, you know. Well, look, the Krikorian situation, I don't think I or a lot of people or anyone knows, like, the full story, but what I did hear was that he wanted just way too much money that we were just not going to pay a soccer coach, and our athletic department is committed to football, which, that's music to my ears. Um, that women's soccer team is probably the best program on campus right now. And I expect them to hire a great coach that's going to keep our team competing for championships. Um, The Jimbo situation, I'll say this. We are not going to outspend Texas A&M in anything. I think Jimbo Fisher knew a lot before we had any ideas that he was already being courted by and would leave for Texas A&M. I think – I think the narrative that like, oh, Florida State just wasn't willing to spend, like that's kind of bullshit. We were willing to spend. We just don't have Texas A&M money. And I don't think that's going to be an issue because of the athletic department's renewed commitment to football. Yeah. And look, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. I, Texas A&M is willing to pay a lot of money to suck. I, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, what else do you want me to say? In fact, I, here's what I take issue with with the Jimbo thing, and I will get to the Krikorian bit in a second, and then we've got Micro Venture Fund asking about Atkins, which I think was a – I did the exercise in my comment, so I'm more interested to hear your answer. But about Jimbo? Jimbo didn't just not get the support. Jimbo went to the old head of the boosters, which I don't know if I can say this now being a booster or if enough time has passed. So, like, Dave, let me know if I'm out of bounds here, but I grew up in Tallahassee. All right, I've been around the game. I've been around the game. Our so, – our, 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 Golden Chief, whatever Diamond Chief plaques are over there. I can turn off my background. I'm in the mobile command center. Like, I, I've been around this thing. And, and Andy Miller was more concerned with being known as somebody, which, like, you want to talk big fish in a small pond. Holy cow, there's only, no offense, there's 10,000 boosters. Then he was actually running this program and, like, making us successful. That's why Michael Alford was brought in, by the way, is because they realized you can't just have someone that's a big-time booster become the head of your boosters. Like, you got to have someone that knows what they're doing, right? Jimbo went to him and asked him if he could start a fund for his son who had just been diagnosed with a super rare blood disease. And Andy Miller looked at him and said, as long as it doesn't mess with the booster fund. That's not not being willing to commit athletically. That's literally telling a guy that he is only as good to you as the amount of wins he gets on the field and the amount of money he raises. So yeah, when you tell a guy that, that bluntly, He's going to go try to find his worth on an open market because you've told him that's all he is to you is wins and losses. So all you are to him is dollars and cents. Am I crazy for thinking of it that way? I, I don't know the full scoop on that uh, in my limited. It was in the ESPN article, so I'm not betraying any confidence. Like that was I, in the that was well known that he did that. 
I met Amy Miller a couple times. I like the guy. I don't look. All I'm going to say, everyone liked the guy. All I'm going to say is I think Jimbo earned whatever the hell he wanted the school to give him for at least a few years, if not longer. Like yeah. he got us back to the mountaintop. If he asked for a money for his son, if he asked for money for his son's rare blood disease, just give it to him. I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, he didn't ask for money even. That's the thing. He asked if he could raise money for it and was basically sure. told what like, if, we don't, right. We less. don't want you double dipping. It was horrible. So the other the other thing with that narrative I want to hit is the, a lot of people, and I think rightfully so, be like, well, Jimbo didn't want to be here. He left us for more money. Guys, Jimbo was offered more money a lot, and he kept turning it down. Like, if anything, I think Jimbo really wanted to be in Tallahassee. I think he likes Tallahassee. I think he liked playing for Florida or coaching for Florida State. I don't think he liked some of the politics, but he's not stupid. Th- those politics, booster politics, think about what booster politics are like when your coach is making four and a half million dollars a year no one is naive enough to think that it's not going to be 10 times worse when you sign a hundred million dollar contract it wasn't the booster politics it was that yeah he's got 95 mil guaranteed right so over 10 years and they may have given him a a raise or extension i admittedly don't know if, if that's been raised or extended but what i do know is that at a certain point when someone's offering to double or triple your salary or whatever and I'm not saying it was double or triple per annum. I'm saying they were giving right. him 10 years guaranteed. So you look at the total worth of the contract. Can any of us say we like our job that much? The point is, I don't buy the narrative that we just wouldn't step up to the plate. And we were, we kept giving him raises too. So give us some credit. But at the same time, eventually when you're offered that much money, you have to be stupid or insane not to take it. And Jimbo's not stupid and he's not that brand of insane. With the Krikorian thing, I mean, Dave, did you read all the emails that came out that like Alford and the athletic department released? No, they offered to pay him a bunch more though, didn't they? Dude, it was stupid. Well, and they were investing like a million dollars in the soccer complex. What it was, the way I think, and this is just my opinion, this is not, no one's told me this directly, but just judging on what was said in the emails, all this stuff, I don't think Krikorian wanted the job. So I think what he did was put a number that he knew was so high that they couldn't possibly match it out there. And they still tried. Like he went over a million dollars guaranteed base yeah. salary. They got him to the point where he was going to make like six fifty as a base for perspective. He's making four hundred now. And if he'd won another championship, his incentives would have compounded to get him like I think over a mil or maybe high eight hundreds, somewhere in that hundred fifty thousand dollar range. Guys, that's not nothing. If you've never been to Tallahassee or never lived in Tallahassee. You live like you're a, a billionaire king if you're making half a million dollars in Tallahassee. It's not freaking Atlanta. It's not Washington, D.C. or New York or Chicago. I mean, half a million in Tallahassee is no joke. Oh, and by the way, he would have been the highest paid coach at his profession. And Dave, I, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, but you want to be recognized for winning a national championship. What more recognition is there than being the highest paid person in your entire field? I mean, at a certain point, the market for women's soccer coaches just isn't what he wanted. And I don't think it's what he wanted. I think he just didn't want to be here. And he wanted to have like a, a good reason to leave. If that to tie that, to tie that in though, like if you're thinking, should this scare anyone off in the future? The reasons are just so ridiculous to to me. Yeah. Sorry. The reasons are just so ridiculous that I can't imagine somebody being like, I don't know about that Florida state because of what it did to those two. Like, even though it's like, pouring money into football right now 
Yeah, if anything, the Willie Taggart situation is the biggest knock against you from a coaching perspective. I'm not going to say whether or not it should have happened, but coaches are going to be uneasy if you fire a coach in 21 games. It's it's that simple because I think there are probably a lot of coaches that look at that and say, hey, I would have done better in 21 games. But they're also going to have that little voice in the back of their head, and they're going to say, yeah, but why risk it? Like, I could, I could make the money here, not have that happen. You know, and not not take that risk. I probably would do better at Florida State than Taggart, but eh, let's see how this Norvell guy works out. Now, I think yeah. if you run it out with Norvell and you have another year, at least probably two two seasons with him, I think that goes away. Because, and this is going to sound really screwed up, and I hope this doesn't happen. But the best thing that could happen would be Norvell wins five games this year, and you don't fire him, and then he wins like five the following year, and you finally fire him. Because you've now shown every other coach out there, right, that you can win 18 games in four years. And you're going to get that long lead of like, like we're giving you a license to screw up. So then you can think, well, I'm not going to win 18 games in four years. So I'll definitely keep my job at Florida State. Don't want that to happen. But anyway. Yeah. um, Lane train, baby. Lane given. Lane train 2024. Anyway. I want to get on to this next question about Alex Atkins, but first, folks, I got one more one more friend of the show to tell you about. If I can get my mouse to work on these weird stone countertops, sorry, it's not the best for laser guided mice. Is it mice or mouses? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, BetOnline.ag. It's, it's, it's mice. Dave, real quick, what's your what's your favorite bet right now headed into uh, head into the season? You got any Heisman odds you like? Any any win totals you've seen that stick out, or or anything yeah, you like? Jimmy- Jameer Gibbs, Alabama's running backs always run for 15,000 yards a year. It's incredible. Um, plus their offensive line like opens holes like Moses parting the Red Sea. So yeah, Fair. always give me an Alabama running back. Yeah, and weren't his odds like crazy? They're like 25,000 or, or something. Yeah, 2,500. Or 19, something stupid. Yeah, like 1,900. So 1,900 would be what? 19 to 1? 19 to 1 odds? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Jameer Gibbs at 19 to 1, that's a pretty solid pick. And if y'all like it, head over to betonline.ag, get a little action, and now... And hey, look at the bright side. If it's not working out for Jameer, you can always hedge that with like Alabama money lines and they're going to cover those too, right? So (laughs) uh, go to betonline.ag, use promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a welcome bonus and all that stuff. Betonline.net. Sorry, not AG. .net. Where the game starts. Folks, I appreciate you rocking and rolling with us. I'm in the mobile command center right now and that... uh. Sometimes there's some noise involved, but y'all are the best. Microventure funding, really enjoy interacting with this guy. He said, seeing as how everyone sees Coach Atkins as a future head coach, is there any scenario where Atkins replaces Norvell as head coach at FSU? Love the show. The YouTube version's a much watch. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Um, I kind of want to repeat what I said in the comment, but essentially what I said, Dave, was like, it depends on the scenario where I think if we win seven games this year, and then the next year we win six or seven and they're like, Hey, we're close, but we're not quite there. But the talents there, the recruit, we're just not putting it together. Kind of how, kind of how Florida, and I know there were some bad losses, but very similar to how actually I'd go back. I'd say pretty much how Miami felt about Manny Diaz. Cause while it got weird towards the end, there were a lot of people that wanted to keep Manny. It was just like, yep. we're only going to kick Manny out for the absolute perfect coach, which is what they think they found in Cristobal. I think if that's the situation, if you feel like you're really close, you just can't quite connect the wires, you might look and say, okay, is the offense performing? And if that is, or at least the running game, 
and you just brought in five offensive line recruits this year and some of them are starting to look good maybe you land a big name transfer too. do you think there's a there's a real world scenario where norvell has shown the door and you say look let's bring up this atkins guy uh and then the other scenario is and this is unlikely norvell wins 10 games this year and then he comes out and wins 11 games and makes it to the conference championship next year and then someone wants to steal him then i think you might see a notre dame situation where they go hey let's keep the continuity here because we just had two really good years let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. if norvell wants to leave let's promote our guy atkins other than those two though i think if it's a straight firing like a this just isn't it whatsoever we don't like the way this looks and feels i think the whole staff goes and atkins is collateral damage yeah i i have a very strong and unwavering opinion on this which is I do believe that in three years, we will have a new head coach. And in my opinion, it absolutely needs to be a proven power five commodity. I I don't think after the last two hires, you can do another G5 or somebody who's been under the G5 guy that was now at a P5 school. I think you have to hire somebody whose name resonates with the fan base because otherwise it's the same skepticism is going to, is going to apply like okay we tried tagger we tried norvell like you know atkins was under the g5 guy i don't think you can do it again you can't afford it what if you had a split like last year where last year you had like what the 40th best defense give or take 40th to 50th somewhere and then your offense was what was really lagging behind it kind of viewed as the weakness of the team you know if you had a scenario where you're playing like a texas tech and not you're playing against but you're playing like one of those teams and we're putting up Let's say over the next two years, we average 42 points a game and our defense is allowing like 44, you know, then would you feel a little differently? Like, hey, this guy is at the power five level. He's recruiting. He knows what he's doing. He's seen how the program should be run and his units performing. Like, would that sway kind of your opinion at all? I I, I mean, that's it doesn't have to go as extreme as 42, but let's say like there is like, hey, this is a really improved offense and they're the engine driving the team. Okay. nope. The third hire needs to be somebody that's a proven commodity. We're Florida State. We should be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, look, I think that's a fair and reasonable perspective. Um, the last one I wanted to get, or I think I had two more quick headers I wanted to get to. One is from Lotto again. Um, you guys have talked about plays per game quite a bit. Go watch our episode on that. Um, I basically say, hey, if we ran more plays, we would win more games because our plays per game is terrible. He asks, um, do you think Norvell's focus on intensity during practice is designed to fix that? Can you guys do an analysis of the NIL situation with Mims? From what I've heard, FSU is able to be competitive. How good of an indicator to future success is that? So we hit that in a previous episode too. I'm just going to say yes. The fact that Mims came on campus should tell you the money was there because he would not have taken the official visit if he wasn't hearing the money was comparable. And I do think that that sends a very good signal to other players around the nation that if that guy was willing to go visit, it meant the money was there. Therefore, the money will be there for them. The skepticism with the whole Mim situation is in the letdown and the bad reporting, I think, more so than like the fact that he didn't actually make it here. Yeah, we should be getting guys like that on campus. Yeah, and I think it says it, the fact that we got him, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do okay in the NIL stuff. I, I, I really believe that. As for the intensity of practice, um, I, I think that it's, it's, it's the other way around. I think that they're able to be more intense in practice because they're having to do less teaching of the basics and that should show us that they're going to run more plays this year. That'll help them be in shape too. But I don't think Norvell's running a more intense practice with the goal in mind of let's run more plays. I think he'll run more plays because he's running a more intense practice, which he is doing 
sheerly because he has the bandwidth to do it now because they're not plugging in as much. Because think about it, two years ago, every single person on that team was learning a new playbook and new concepts and new language and just how coaching staff interacted, right? Like, what does good job mean from the coaching staff, right? Y'all all have multiple bosses. For some bosses, good job means, wow, you really knocked out of the park. From some, it means, oh gosh, you suck. So you got to figure that, those little things all slow down practice, right? Now we're at the point where there's only like 20 guys on the roster that need that level and they're going to yeah. get that stuff from the other players. And it's like, we can go faster. So we should see more plays if our defense can get stops and our offense can get first downs. I, I was just going to say, I think whether you see a lot more plays run is going to totally depend on first down. Because if we're ineffective on first down, you're going to have a lot of three and outs. And if you're going fast and three and out, holy shit, your defense is going to get toasted. Yeah, that's called being a Kendall Bryles. And folks, we hope we're effective on first down, and we hope that we're effective as your first listen. We appreciate y'all rocking and rolling with me. I actually just noticed that my background is backwards because uh, I like to mirror my screen because I think I look better that way. So thanks again for hanging out with us for Mailbag Monday. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube and leave your comments on any video. That's where we pull the mailbag from. If you want to be on the next one, we'll look for you down there. I'm Max. That was Dave. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Go no. Boom.